past first point guard and Trail Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every day, free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. So make it a part of your daily routine and make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. Today's show is a mailbag episode. We're going to answer listener-submitted questions all episode long. If you want to get involved in a future mailbag episode, the best way to do it, pretty much the only way to do it now, is to is to email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at me and I'll probably see it, but uh, I am getting these from the email because those tend to be um, better, more thoughtful questions and a way for me to get clarification quicker and just... It, the Twitter algorithm makes it hard to, to find things. Sometimes I don't see stuff, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, there's there's some, some new management there you may have heard of. But uh, in general, LockedOnBlazersPod, gmail.com, that's the place to do it. Uh, let's, let's do what we do. Let's, let's answer some questions. This first one comes from someone who didn't email me because they live with me. This is uh, my roommate of 10 years, give or take. And uh, my wife, She we watched the... We watched the uh, All-Star Starters be announced today on television, and she said, is Dame going to make the All-Star team? And, and I said, can I just answer that on the podcast? She said, no, because she didn't want to listen to me talk more than she already has to. So we talked about it in the living room, but I'm going to answer your question here anyways. Thanks for thanks for the question. Um, this is unique. Not a lot of you um, are in my living room very often watching TV with me, but if you are there, that is an acceptable place to uh, submit, a, submit a mailbag question in the future. So they announced the All-Star Starters today. All-Star Starters are 50 percent fan vote and then 25 percent player and then 25 percent media that's who votes for the starters like a select group of media i have um now i obviously i like i wouldn't just because of like i am a nobody but there was a brief time when i was like someone who could when i worked for a newspaper uh when i could have when i could have gotten these uh questions or this responsibility i never did i never got a ballot they always gave it to freeman and quick so um i'm i have well, I've always had opinions. I've never had any official say in, in All-Stars or end-of-the-season voting. But, you know, I always I always form some silly opinion, so I'll share them with you now. The West All-Star starters. In the backcourt, you've got Stephen Curry from the Golden State Warriors. Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks. In the frontcourt, LeBron James from the Los Angeles Lakers. Zion Williamson from the New Orleans Pelicans. And... The two-time reigning MVP, Nikola Jokic from your Denver Nuggets. Not your Denver Nuggets. If you're a Blazer fan, you probably hate Jokic and the Nuggets. But, you know, I like to tease. That's your five. I think the surprise there is Zion over AD. AD was ahead in the uh, in the fan voting. Zion came out higher in the player voting. And DeMontis Sabonis came out higher in the media voting. Uh, I think that tells you what you need to know. Sabonis is going to make the all-star team. But the question isn't who who's the starters. The starters, again, they're picked by fans. Like, Dame just wasn't going to win. You can just look at the, I think, non-glamour markets like basically in the west like non-california teams they look at this and they say like how is my guy not in it it's like well russell westbrook had two million more votes than dame or whatever it was significant a a, a, a huge number more votes than dame he just plays for lakers big global brand you know it's just it is what it is clay thompson gets a bunch of votes alex caruso almost made the damn team one year austin reeves was in the top 10 briefly like it's there's 60 some million 70 million californians they got a lot of votes and 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 they're big big teams globally as well so it wasn't going to be like it was always going to be reserves for Dame's chances. The reserves are chosen by the coaches. They will be announced next Thursday, February second. Uh, 
same time, same place on TNT right after Bomani's show. Shout out to shout out to Game Theory making it to the Turner Broadcast Network. Uh, it's so you know pretty much decided. Like you know, coaches are going to submit their votes over the next handful of days, probably Monday, right? Um, I'll, if I wonder if someone in the in the Blazers media will ask Chauncey about when he submitted his ballot or when he plans to submit your ballot. So it, it's. It's pretty much, you know, like you're not going to really make, you're not going to be able to campaign. It's what you've done to this point, basically what you've done maybe through Friday's games, like realistically about how it's going to be decided. And the short answer to this question is, yeah, Damian Lillard's going to make the All-Star team. Yes, yes. I think it's worth talking about my evolution on this. In the first 25 games, Dame missed half of them. He played 12 of the first 24 games. So there was a time when I was like, I am not sure if Dame is going to make the All-Star team. Just hadn't played very much. Then he came back and it was like, well, he really has to get going because there's so many good, there's so many good uh, players in the West. Like it's just, it's full. There's, there's, there are dudes in front of him who are going to make it tough for him to make the team. Regardless, you know, there's only so many spots for guards. There's really like maximum four reserve spots for guards and more realistically three reserve spots for guards. So it's going to be tough. Like there's just, there's just a bunch of good guards in the West. It's just like a fact of how, of how the league works and then January came, and I think over the last three weeks, Dame has just been so good that, like, it would be legitimately bizarre if he didn't make the All-Star team. Like, it's like he's averaging 30-plus, and um, he's been—he's just—his efficiency is right up there where it's been. Like, he's just been great. Um, he's been great. And the Blazers are not very good, like, record-wise, but they're right in the mix of a bunch of teams that are not very good. So um, I, I don't think they're, like, so buried that he couldn't make the All-Star team for, for team record reasons. Like, they're— They've struggled. Uh, they've been. They basically haven't beat a good team, uh, except for the Mavericks, who are, who are a good team in record, but didn't field a very good roster when they played them over the last like, twenty games. They just haven't beaten good teams. Like I'm not silly. <laughs> I watch them play every night. I know what's going on. They're mostly bad. I have to do a podcast about it. And some of y'all have been giving up listening on me because the Blazers have been struggling. But thanks for those for you who are still rocking with me. But Dame's just been incredible. He's going to make the All Star team. So here are my reserve picks. Like, he's going to make it. That's the answer to your question. Um, I already answered her question upstairs, but I'm, I came down to the basement, and I'll answer it here formally, too, for you. So uh, here are my picks. The way it works for reserves, two guards, three front court spots, two wild cards. That's how you have to submit it. It's by position. they got to get rid of positions for All-Stars. It doesn't make any sense. Joel Embiid is not starting in the Eastern Conference. Do my win MVP this year. It's not going to be an All-Star starter. That would be really something. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for that now. How, how fun would that be? First two guards are going to be John Morant and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, yeah, yes, those those dudes deserve it. For me, the three front court players are Demontis Sabotis. Domas has been great. Um, you know, he's been arguably the best non-Jokic center in the West. I think he just has been the best non-Jokic center in the West. Is like third best center in the NBA this year. He's been great, great. And the Kings have been awesome. Um, he's their best player. He deserves it. Uh, you know, he you. In a maybe in a, in a just world, he also would have started over Zion just because of like because of availability or whatever. But it's not how it works. Fan voting, etc. Demontis Bonus deserves it. I'm gonna give another uh, nod to Lowry Markinen. The Jazz have probably punched above their weight class, and he has been their most consistent performer. Um, Lowry's been really good. I think he's gonna win Most Improved Player of the Year. Um, he's He's a guy who was kind of, you know, given up on in Chicago, was good, but but like very fifth best player-y for the Cavs and has found a spot. You always root for guys that like kind of find it later in their careers who maybe, particularly guys, you know, who are draft busts at one point. It's like he found it. He deserves the all-star nod. I'm giving it to him as my second front court spot. And then my third one, I kind of agonized over this a little bit. 
but I'm giving it to Anthony Davis. Um, I, I think you can quibble with this, no prob. He just hasn't played enough games. Like, he's missed 23. That's a lot of games to have missed at this point. That's, that's like 45% of the games. It's too many. But when he's played, he's been Defensive Player of the Year good. Like, he's been fantastic. So I'm giving him my third front court spot. Um, he, you know, I thought he was going to end up starting, which would have taken some of the me campaigning for Anthony Davis out of my, out of his, out of my hands. But... I'll give it to him. Dame's going to get my first wild card spot. Like I, I, this kind of semantics, right? You could have jaw Dame, uh, SGA. You could have SGA Dame jaw, whatever, whatever you want to do. But those three dudes are going to make the all-star team. They're in there. And then the, the last wild card spot for me is a little bit harder. I have Devin Booker penciled in there now because I think bo when Booker's been healthy, he's been incredible. But again, he's missed some time. Uh, Paul George has only played three fewer games than Dame. Like he's not. It's not like he's missed um, Anthony Davis levels. But and but I but he doesn't have quite have the production. And then I would put Anthony Edwards in that discussion as well. And finally, De'Aaron Fox. So it's like four guys for that last spot. Right now, I'm leading Devin Booker. If Devin Booker is if, if again like this is like an injury preference thing. I think this is like a fair personal preference for the way you would make your ballot, make your team. If if Book hasn't played enough games for you, that's fine. Pop him out of there. Put in PG. Put in Ant. Put in put in Fox. Um, I'm not a big Aaron Gordon believer. I I, I don't. Um, he's not going to make my All Star team. If he makes yours, I won't be super upset. If he makes yours over uh, Damian Lillard out there, like coach voters, that will be really bizarre to me. But I, I think Dame's going to make it. That's my All Star team. So off the bench, I've got Ja or the reserves. The reserves as picked by me. Um, cause here's my ballot. Never got one as a media, as a formal media member. So I'm making one, in my, making one in the basement, John Morant, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Demonte Sabonis, Lowry Markinen, Anthony Davis, Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard Sr. And Devin Booker. Those are my all-star star, all-star all reserves in the West. Dame's gonna make the all-star team. Thanks for asking. Okay. More questions, including about the likelihood that Josh Hart gets traded. That's what we'll do in the third, or excuse me, in the second segment. Before we do that, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. I am super excited about FanDuel, the new betting sponsor for the Locked On Podcast Network and the largest sports book in the world. That's right, FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers can join today, get started with $150 in free bets, guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. Listen, you can uh, place your bets on the money line, point spreads, player props. You can even combine your bets for a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And it's all on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So football fans, basketball fans, sports fans in general, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Right. Let's keep it rolling. More mailbag questions. If you want to get a mailbag question in, the email address is lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. This next question comes from Claire, who did indeed send an email. Claire asks, what are your thoughts on the likelihood Josh Hart gets traded by the deadline given his contract situation? Let's talk about Josh Hart's contract situation first. Thank you, Claire, for the question. Josh Hart has a dual... Um, 
team option and non-guaranteed deal, like the, the team can choose to guarantee it or not, and a player option. So for him to be back on the Blazers under his current deal, it would have to be he opts in and the Blazers guarantee it. That seems like an unlikely needle to get threaded. The reason that the Blazers would guarantee the deal is they think like that's a fair or even maybe below market deal for Josh Hart. Let's get him back on a, on a sweetheart deal and then try to try to maybe extend him or whatever after that. The reason Josh Hart would go would opt into the deal is like I'm not getting any more money or any more years anywhere else. This is my best deal on the market. It seems unlikely. It seems unlikely that that graph crosses perfectly in July. So Josh Hart's going to enter unrestricted free agency. Blazers will have his bird rights. They can pay him if they want him. But that's the trap, right? Because if you don't trade him before the trade deadline, I think you kind of walk yourselves in, walk yourself into re-signing him. And it's what John Hollinger of The Athletic calls the bird rights trap. It's basically like, you can let him walk for nothing. You don't, like he's an expiring contract, but you don't, you don't get magical cap space from this. But he's not going to be a cap space team. So you either... Trade Josh Hart at the deadline and get something back in return. You sign Josh Hart or you sign Josh Hart to a multi-year deal. Letting him walk seems like imp- like just very, very, very unlikely. Uh, I think there's a world where it happens for sure, but I think it's in general very, very, very unlikely. I'll, I'll give that like a, that's like a 4% chance of happening. Rewind a little bit. The reason why Claire's asking about this is because I've been saying that Josh Hart is the player most likely to get traded because of this contract situation since like August. In fact, there was a mailbag episode posted in this very feed on October 26th of last year, uh, a couple games into the season, maybe four or five games in the season that was, is Josh Hart too good to trade? And it was like, Hey Mike, Josh Hart's been killing it over the first four or five games. Do you still think he's most likely to get traded in the end? I mean, you can go listen to the Josh Hart is too, uh, is, is Josh Hart too good to trade? It's the title of the episode. The, the answer there is the answer it is now him being good doesn't make him less likely to get traded the situation and his skills like being good makes him likely to get traded so yeah I still think Josh Hart is very 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 likely to get traded I'll also say this he's kind of hinted at in a couple interviews with Brooke Olsendam that they played on the television broadcast prior to games of being not like unhappy but like yeah, I'm just figuring out my role. Like I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get in where I fit in. And I, you know, I had my shooting has been, I just haven't been shooting or I've been shooting poorly or some combination of both. Although I do think since he passed up that shot against the Cavs, he's shot the ball a lot more often. It's like very clear, um, particularly it started like that immediate weekend against the Mavericks. Like somebody, they had a conversation, you need to shoot the ball. He started shooting the ball, hasn't been making it, but he's been shooting it. Now he has a hamstring injury, so who knows? But I don't think that would prevent him from getting traded. Uh, So, yeah, like from what I thought in August to what I thought in October to what I think now in January is the same thing. Josh Hart is helpful on other teams. If the Blazers don't want to lock into paying him a bunch of money and then having to, you know, figure out moving him down the line or whatever, if he's not part of their long-term plans and he would, you know, get a multi-year contract if he were to stick around would be the most reasonable way to do it. You back yourselves into that Norman Powell type of multi-year contract. Um, hope, hope Josh Hart gets $90 million. Go get your bread. He'll probably get more maybe because the, the um, money's going up. But like... It seems very likely to me that Josh Hart's still very likely to get traded because it's the Blazers' best path to getting a new part on the roster. They're not going to make a big splash trade. They have 
A listener asked me this about the uh, draft pick protections. I'll explain it here. The draft pick is is owed to the Chicago Bulls, and it is lottery protected. That means if the Blazers make the playoffs, it conveys to the Bulls. Um, if they miss the playoffs and they are a lottery team, uh, then they would get their pick. You know, it'll be a lottery pick. It'll be like, you know, 10, 10 through 14, somewhere in that range. And uh, they would get to make a selection this summer and they would owe a protected pick again down the line next season. I think there is an argument for the Blazers making the playoffs, freeing up all their future picks, and then that way they'd be able to make a trade. Right now, to be able to make a big trade, they'd have to unprotect that pick to the Bulls and then trade all their future picks for like a theoretical superstar that isn't even available. I talked about this on yesterday's show. It's like, they should go all in. Uh, I want them to be irresponsible with their picks. And then I was like, and then I noted, it's like, it's not like there's like an obvious target. So they're not going to do it. But like my heart, the heart wants what the heart wants. And that's them to be irresponsible and trade like a million draft picks to get a good player. That good player is not available. They're not going to do that be- specifically because it's irresponsible. Their best path forward is either just to like end up with the 10th pick in the draft and either trade that or nail the pick or Probably if you're really rooting for them to win on the Damian Lillard timeline, make the playoffs this year, free up all their future picks and make the big trade this summer when there is a bigger fish available or when they just have more stuff to trade, et cetera, et cetera. That's that's like the most reasonable path. But before you get there, before you get to the big trade and the draft picks and all of those things, I think you I think you move Josh Hart because he's good. Like he he's not he's been weird on this team. Um, he's been a, he's been an, a, an awkward fit a little bit, but he's not bad. Like he just hasn't shot the ball enough and he's kind of wonking up the offense a little bit. But I would say for most of this season, he was very clearly their best option at small forward. He's a competitive defender. He's an elite rebounder for his size. Uh, they haven't given the ball as, very much in his hands, but he generally is a pretty good secondary playmaker, although he's been turning the ball over a lot this year. So um, yeah, like I, I think he could help. I think he's a competitive, like top seven, top eight contributor on every playoff team in the NBA. Like, I think he's that good. I really do. Um, is he, you know, it's, it's because he's not a fit, good fit here. Doesn't mean that he wouldn't be good somewhere else. He's kind of like a weird power forward who's happens to be six foot five. That's like sort of his skill set. So he's, he's not, you know, he'll be, he'll be a challenging fit in other places, but I think like, um, I think, I think certainly teams that are going to make the playoffs could be interested in him. Uh, another quick one before we, we move to the end of the show on Josh Hart, uh, on his podcast, Zach Lowe reported that Josh Hart is a hot, hot name. Uh, and I, I just want to say this, Zach Lowe's super plugged in. He knows everything, but people love, people love the, like, uh, sort of like, um, here's what I'm hearing whispers more than here's what I'm thinking. If you've been listening to this podcast, it makes sense that Josh Hart would be a hot, hot name to trade since freaking October, his contract situation, his talent, his current employer, meaning that he would be someone who would be available. Of course, he's a hot name on the market. He's been the clear person to trade off this specific roster off a team that their only path to really getting, um, moderately different in the near term is trading Josh Hart. He's the, he's the guy he's been the guy. So like, um, I don't know, <laughs> just, you can, you, you are not going to be as plugged in as, as Zach Lowe. You're not going to be as, like, you're not going to be a newsbreaker as a fan, but you are, the tools are there for you to be really smart and think about this team. Like you're capable, you're capable of just, of, of logicking your way through. And that's what I hope to help you do in this podcast. Even if sometimes I talk with my heart and say the Blazers should be irresponsible and make a trade that they like, don't even have a path to make. But like I said, the heart wants what the heart wants. Okay. 
Let's close the show with more questions uh, on more of your questions on this glorious mail, special delivery mailbag. But first, let me tell you, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs is the number one tool for prioritizing and upgrading your small business in 2023. Because if you are a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success this year is going to depend on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences that help you achieve those goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, insights about your company, and their 875 million member profiles. They're a pretty big service and they can help put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Plus, they can identify the most qualified candidates or you can identify the most qualified candidates rather on LinkedIn Jobs and you can connect with them for fa fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen, rate, and screen and rate applicants based on their job qualifications all in one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MBA. That's linkedin.com slash MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, and you are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's close out the show with a couple more mailbag questions. This next one comes from Jacob G. and also partially a little bit from listener Jonathan, who both sent me an email at LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. That's how you get your question in the show. Jacob G. asks, We've seen several scheme adjustments throughout the year. Nurkic plays more drop coverage. The team plays less zone defense. Damian Lillard has increased the pick and roll diet. Are there other adjustments the team can squeeze out of the offense or defense? Or is this cloth fully wrung out? I think there's always more. Um, it's just, you know, like, are there diminishing returns at some point is maybe the question. Yeah, like we saw them against the Jazz go back to the zone, um, you know, and they've played a couple different zones this year. Mostly they play something that looks like a 2-3 zone. We've also seen them play a 1-3-1 zone where it's one high man, one low man, and three in the middle. Uh, we've seen them now play zone with length at the top, Nazir Little and, and Jeremy Grant. We've seen them play with the length in the corners to be the like the low man on the help and put Damian Lord and Amphrey Simons at the top. Like they, They've tried a couple different things. The zone sucked for a long time. They went away from it. I think that was fine. I'm glad they started running more pick and rolls with Dame. That was something that I had called for on the podcast and... Um, Pretty clearly, Dame asked coach, like, come on, the offense is struggling. Let's, let's like, give me it, you know, give me the keys. And uh, they've been, they've been better with that. Like they've, they have, um, they have the personnel to be a very good offensive team. Um, it was when they were really struggling, it was a little bit troublesome. Some of it is just bad shooting for a little bit. Some of it is just a bad offense. Um, like, I think in general, you know, this goes back. That's why I ordered these questions the way I did. If Josh Hart is still on the team, I'd like to see him get the ball in his hands more and play with the second unit more. So coming into the season, I thought Nazir Little was going to start at small forward in part because it seems like it was like whispers and Josh Hart kind of mentioned this and then he kind of went back on it that like he was going to get some primary ball handling duties with the second unit. Now, to be clear, Josh Hart's turned the ball over so much this year, like a turnover percentage near 18%. That's like, 
that's like a fifth of the a fifth of the possessions he uses ending with giving the ball to the other team. That's that's probably too high for like a secondary creator type who doesn't score at a high level. Um like, what is the value of giving the ball to Josh Hart if he gives it away? I, I, I for sure recognize that. But I think what unlocked his ability and why he had a career high in assists in, in, with New Orleans was that he was a second side. Hey, you know, Brandon Ingram's the primary guy. Dribble, dribble, dribble. Okay, it's not there. Swing it around. Second side. And, and Josh Hart gets to go and run a pick and roll. Run a pick and roll. You know, on the weak side, quickly attack, get downhill, do those things. He became a, he was, um, I thought he took real strides prior to getting to Portland as a playmaker. And then when he got here, in part because of just the nature by the time he arrived after the Blazers traded for him, Norm Powell was gone. CJ McCollum was gone. It was him and it was him and Ant. And then it was like, for a brief period, just him. And he got the ball a lot. And he shot it outrageously well over those 13 games. Like he shot way above what's reasonable. He was on a heater. It was fun. Josh Hart was incredibly fun when he first showed up, but I thought he was going to get the ball in his hands more. That's why I thought he was going to come off the bench because I thought he was going to run pick and rolls, do stuff. I think if there is an adjustment to be made, it's to change up the uh, rotation a little bit and maybe the emergence and health of, of Nazir Little over the last couple games allows you to get Josh out, get Josh Hart out of there a little bit earlier, let him come back with the second unit, let him and Ant um, play, let Ant have a secondary guy to create stuff um, with the second unit. Ant's still going to play every single minute when Dame's out of the game. Um, the Blazers desperately need his offensive creation abilities. They just don't have anyone who can create a shot. Um, the offense already looks pretty bad when it's just ant imagine when it's no ant like that's 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 a problem the other part of this question and it's like the sort of piggybacking is that jonathan listener jonathan asks like maybe the what if what if ant mostly played shooting guard and and i guess like the the differentiation here is like don't give ant primary creation duties of the second unit have him be a you know still in scorer mode and have someone else be like the lead guy setting things up with the personnel they have I don't think that's super easy to do. Like they've tried it a bunch when Justice Winslow was healthy and let him initiate some of that offense off the bench. It didn't work very well. Um, that's why I'd like to see Josh Hart do it because he's got a lot more offensive game than than Justice Winslow does. But I think that's the, if there's one more thing we haven't seen, and I've, I've talked about this on previous episodes. This is not, I'm not breaking new ground. You've probably heard me say this if you're a regular listener. If you're a regular listener, also, I really appreciate you. But yeah, let's let Josh Hart handle more, play more with the second unit. Something he really has not done. He really has, his minutes and Dame's minutes have been really aligned this year just because of the way the rotation has worked. I think um, as you get healthier and as you, you know, um, as Nas earns more minutes, I think getting getting Josh, if he's on the team or before he's traded over the next two weeks or whatever it is uh like get him opportunities with the second unit it's gonna be awesome if josh hart like flourishes for three games with the second unit and then ends up a, a timber wolf or whatever um then it'll be it'll be really um it'll be odd uh yeah josh harford nasreed uh it's a bad trade but i'll throw I'll, everyone loves fake trades there's a fake trade for you okay final question of the show comes from listener rod who asks is abu baji a potential fit for a 10 to 15 minutes a night in a super specific simplified role it's a great question, Rod. Uh, the answer is I mean, probably not. <laughs> I think the same, simple answer is probably not. But Abu Baji has like incredible backup quarterback energy. Everyone in the fan base is excited to see him play because he hasn't come in and screwed up yet. Just like the backup quarterback. You see a backup quarterback on the bench? He's got to be better than what we've got in there. You see what 
I don't know, Jared Goff is doing? Jared Goff is good this year. I know, sorry, apologies to Jared Goff. You see what Aaron Rodgers is doing? Real Jordan Love energy. Uh, I, I, I will admit, I don't really know anything about Baji. In fact, my favorite Baji moment this year is like that when Damon Lillard, and this is like the cursed Lakers game, but when Dame, when Russell Westbrook airballed that three and then Dame pulled up from 38 feet in the, in the second quarter against the Lakers when it looked like the Blazers were going to blow a game open and have a really fun win before things went the other way, uh, Dame hit that like, you know, 37 footer, 38 footer, whatever it was. Um, perfect swish, net barely moves, like incredible shot following a Russell Westbrook airball. Dame feeding off his hatred of, of Russ. Uh, and Baji, they flashed the bench to show him celebrating. And Baji's jaw, he's sitting behind the bench in like a sweatsuit. His jaw's just like on the floor, like truly mouth agape, like, oh my gosh, what did I just see? That's fun. That's fun when young guys see the greatness of, of one of their teammates, coworkers, and it's like, Oh, wow. Um, also that and Abu Baji carrying uh, Jeremy Grant off the court uh, piggyback ride. Give me a piggyback ride off the court. Two great moments in uh, in Baji's Blazer history. In general, I'm going to trust the training staff on this, uh, like training staff, coaching staff on this. They see these guys. They work out with these guys. If they think it's more, makes more sense when the Blazers do actually let one of their two-way guys dress to have it be John Butler Jr. and not Baji, I'm going to trust them for the most part because I just haven't seen them. I've watched the YouTube videos. I know his measurements. He's incredibly big. I've seen his, you know, brief G League numbers where he blocks shots at a crazy, crazy level. Like, yeah, I, I followed it all, but I don't really like. I'm not. I'm not scouting him heavily. But luckily, I work for the Locked On Podcast Network, so I'm able to reach out to Raphael Barlow, the host of uh, Locked On NBA Draft and the uh, lead, the director of scouting for for uh, NBA Big Board, someone who is literally a professional scout. And I, I asked Raphael what. He knew about Baji and what's listen to Locked in the NBA draft year round if you want to get caught up on folks outside of the NBA who are about to be draft eligible. But I asked Raphael like thoughts on Baji and what what he had heard and, and what what um, what Mr. Barlow told me was that he doesn't know in and I use this language super specific super what's what's the language super specific simplified roles. Could Baji play with a super specific super simplified role? And his question was hard to say. He, he said that there's a world where he could see Baji being really effective if the ask was small, but there's also a world where like he would just look way out of sorts, which is like a pretty fair take. And he mentioned further, uh, Raphael mentioned further, was that a scout that who's really familiar with Baji and seen him play a bunch coming up said that in a less structured scheme, like say the Houston Rockets, where they just kind of run pick and roll backyard basketball type of just like spread it out, go and get to the rim and be okay with losing most nights, like win, lose 55 times a year, that Baji probably would look good because the the goal is not to win. The goal is not to be highly competitive, but the goal is to kind of like f- figure out where you fit in and get your, you know, use your physical gifts to be effective or whatever. And Baji could be a good role man in a sort of wide open offense, but on a more structured offense on a on a team that he's not going to just get to run a whole bunch of pick and rolls and that it's going to be a little more, a little more, a little more structure and the goal is to win and like make the playoffs um, that he would probably not be ready this year. So I think that's your answer, right? Like if the goal had been a little bit different, then yeah, Baji would be, but would be an option, but because they're like trying to make the playoffs and like having a really bad four minutes is like, will 
you know, upend their season, upend the like Damian Lillard era, maybe a little bit. Just like if you have a super negative four minutes a couple times a week, uh, it's not worth it for them. In general, like, yeah, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him get a get a cameo. It's probably going to take um, more injuries, right? Because even when they haven't had Nurk, it's not like Baji's getting a cameo. It's they're going to it's going to take, you know, and I, you're not rooting for anyone to like twist their ankle or anything like that. So. I don't know that we'll see him. I would like to because I'm just like so curious to see. But like the scouts take is that probably in a in a in a system like the Blazers that is um, a lot less freelancing and has some real rules and in, for a team like this with goal to make the playoffs that Baji's probably not ready right now um, would be the guess. But like we don't know. We don't know. I, I think it wouldn't hurt to give him a give him a shot. I'd, I'd certainly love to see it. But um, I'm gonna trust the Blazers coaching staff on this one. I bet they know. I bet they know better than me. I'm, I'm willing to wager they know a little bit better than me. That's gonna do it for today's episode. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they get podcasts. It's also it's wherever you listen to audio, and it's also available on YouTube five days a week. New episodes Monday through Friday. So check us out. Tell your friends to do the same, and make it your first listen every single day. Blazers play this weekend. Play the Raptors on Saturday. They come back and have a game on Monday night. Uh, Monday show, which I usually post on sometime on Sunday afternoon, typically recorded on Sunday mornings. Uh, I'll probably do that again this week, barring some some unforeseen things. We'll be right there waiting for you. We'll talk the Raptors game. We'll look ahead to the Hawks game, the end of the homestand. So come back and join us for that one. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.